Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And quite a while back, it was came to my attention that in its section on religion, Time Magazine called the members of the Church of Christ the most Bible-bound of all religionists. I can only think of one thing to say in response to such a comment, and that is, thank you, Time Magazine, because that is a wonderful compliment, Also, I'm sure they did not mean it that way. It is a compliment because it perfectly coincides with two beautiful passages of that book to which we are said to be so bound. In James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, we read, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For behold himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's look now at Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. As Paul was beginning to bring his farewell address to the Ephesian elders to a close, he said, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The wonderful word of God, fixed and rooted in a heart characterized by meekness, is able to save our souls. There is power, limitless, inexhaustible power in the word of God. And that power is released when the word is received into a good and honest heart. The good and honest heart reads God's word in order to discover his will and then to do it. When all of those elements are joined together, what awaits is the glorious inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled that is reserved in heaven for all saints. So yes, call me Bible bound because I guess I am. I believe the Bible contains all things that pertain unto life and godliness I believe that because Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us so. It is only the Bible that furnishes us with all that we need to live our lives successfully here in a manner pleasing to God. In a familiar passage to many, Paul wrote to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 15 through 17 the following, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Therefore we do not need, nor do we accept, any creeds of men, any catechisms, any manuals of faith, any latter-day revelations, any decrees of councils, ecumenical or otherwise. There is nothing that pertains to the faith which was once to be delivered unto the saints, Jude 3, that is to be voted on by man. It was all revealed by heaven over 1900 years ago. The task of man is to simply submit our will to the word of God. This attitude toward the Bible makes members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, distinctive. If it makes us Bible-bound, well, so be it. When some new theory arises in religious circles, and believe me, new theories arise all the time, we know that if it is true, it is not new. And if it is new, it is not true. Looking at John chapter 12, verses 47 through 48, we read, And if any man hears my words and believes them not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Since Jesus said we are going to be judged by his words one day, then I am content and determined to be guided by them now. It is so important for all of us, and perhaps even more so for the young people, to understand and appreciate why we do the things that we do. We don't do what we do in the realm of religion because of man-made tradition, or because that is what, for some of us, our grandparents and parents have always done. We do what we do because it is authorized in God's Word. I think of Matthew chapter 21 and an event that took place in the final week of the Lord's life before his crucifixion. In verses 23 through the first part of verse 25, we find, And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From heaven or of men? That's the key. And something as obvious as, shall we say, the use of instruments of music and worship, we must know why we don't have them or why we do have them. In nine places in the New Testament, the use of music in worship is mentioned, and in none of them is an instrument of music found. God has told us through the pen of Paul in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's what we do. Lots of men have written volumes on this subject alone, but the truly important word is God's. We partake of the Lord's Supper each and every first day of the week because unleavened bread and fruit of the vine are used to represent the body and blood of Christ because that is what we learn from the New Testament by direct commands. This do in remembrance of me. 
as well as by example and necessary inference. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 tells us, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. We are bound to the Bible to know what God would have us to do. You will not find a faithful child of God referring to himself or herself as reverend or using any other title that would seek to elevate one Christian above another. For Jesus showed that such was foreign to the very spirit that was to characterize his kingdom in Matthew chapter 23 verses 1 through 12. Each and every Christian is a priest, a member of a holy and royal priesthood according to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 5 and 9. Because I am now bound to the scriptures as the complete and total divinely inspired word of God, I omit practices and doctrines that have been added by men over the centuries to what God has revealed. There is no sprinkling for baptism, no baptizing of babies, no praying to or through Mary, and no saying of the rosary. There are no statues, no relics, no observance of special holy days. None of these things and a host more that we could mention are found in the inspired word of God. Does that make me Bible bound? Well, I guess it does. The Lord's Church, the church we read about in the Bible, the Church of Christ, is different because of that emphasis. We are non-denominational because we are not one of many, for the Bible doesn't speak of many churches. The church is not a political organization, a secular organization, a welfare organization, or a social reform organization. It is a spiritual institution. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 verses 20 and 21, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. In John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Truly, if all churches would simply preach and practice what God's word says related to the church Jesus died for, then they would get out of the restaurant business, the recreation business, and the physical fitness business, and all of the other things in which churches involve themselves for which there is absolutely no Bible authority. If churches would simply follow the Lord's plan and pattern for financing the work of the church revealed in the New Testament, there would be no church festivals, pie suppers, fashion shows, bake sales, Monte Carlo nights, bingos, and so on. Instead, God's plan is for members of his church to give individually on each first day of the week as we have been prospered, cheerfully and according to what we have purposed in our hearts. That's all. The reason so many groups engage in so many unscriptural methods to generate more and more money is to pay for activities and enterprises they enter into that are also not authorized. If being Bible-bound means demanding book, chapter, and verse for all that we do in religion, if it, may, if it demands either generic or specific Bible authority, then I am guilty as charged. 
Something else that needs to be considered along this line is simply this. The Church of Christ is a restoration, not reformation. There is a big and basic difference. Martin Luther was a great man and a valiant opponent of the prominent error of his day and time, but he approached the problem of a rampant error from a faulty viewpoint. His desire was to reform Roman Catholicism. I'm not interested in that. I am interested in the Christianity that the Bible talks about. I am interested in the original and only Christianity. My desire is to go way back beyond Roman Catholicism and apostasy to Jerusalem and the church that started there in approximately 33 AD the church that we read about as existing from Acts chapter 2 onward. I remember a debate I participated in in Lincoln, Nebraska, in which my opponent made a statement that really shows the false ideas and lack of true Bible knowledge that characterizes so much of the religious world. He said that I had to be either a Catholic or a Protestant. He could not get it through his head that all I was was a Christian nothing more and nothing less. He could not understand that the Church of Christ existed centuries before there was any such thing as Roman Catholicism, and even longer than that before there was such a thing as being a Protestant. Other than a purely academic interest, my focus is not on Wesley, Calvin, Luther, Campbell, Stone, or any other religious leader. My interest is in the everlasting gospel of the Son of God. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, we find, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Therefore I believe that a complete rejection of all denominational ties and a wholehearted approval of that which Christ and his apostles revealed over 1900 years ago is the only way to know that we are pleasing to the Lord. The only way. Such an approach gives honor to no man or movement. It pays homage to the Lord. That then makes me bound to the Word of God under a moral obligation and that is exactly where I want to be. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21 we find the ultimate purpose of the church for which Jesus died. The church of the Bible was part of God's eternal purpose. It is the abode of the saved and the pillar and ground of the truth. And by looking at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21 we find, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. For a congregation to give glory to the Creator, it must follow the divine pattern. Indeed, the Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Each doctrine, item of worship, or any organization procedure, must be based upon the thus saith the Lord. Unless our faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10:17, then we're walking after the precepts of men instead of the mandates of Jesus Christ. 
And if that makes us the most Bible-bound of all religionists, well, that's all right with me. Words to think about. Thanks for listening.